Eva. My name is Aaron Moss, and this is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, presented by Head Speaks. This is an hourish long podcast where we'll talk about the Will Payton Starman comic and the Mark Shaw Manhunter comic from the late 80s, early 90s. We'll talk about every appearance of these two great characters. If you've never read them or haven't read them in a while, this may be a good time to explore these issues. Now, let's get started with our first comic. Hey there, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Brotherhead Moss. And we're here to talk a little Starman, a little Manhunter. Let's get this show on the road, kids. Without further ado, without, try that again in English for you guys. Without further ado, here is Starman number nine. The cover date was April of 1989, but again, to buy this fresh off the newsstand, you had to go to the last day of February. That's right, February the 28th, 1989. And this cost a dollar. The title of this issue was Blockbuster, written as usual by the wonderful Roger Stern, penciled by Tom Lyle, inker was Robert R. Smith, letterer was Robert M. Pinata, colorist, our favorite Juliana Freder. I'm probably screwing up Julianne's, Juliana's name. I'm sorry if I am. Always do. The cover credits, Tom Lyle was the artist, and Robert Greenberger was the editor of this issue. Again, this all came from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. It's a great site. Check it out. According to Mike's site, there's two notes. One, this story continues in Starman number 10. I'll talk a little more about that at the end of, the, uh, end of this issue. And then during the, the uh, Where You Can Find Me plug, listen for further information on Starman 10. Also, according to Mike's site, he says the Earth-1 version of Roland Desmond first appeared in Detective Comics 345. Despite the fact that they have nearly identical histories, the post-Crisis Desmond is considered to be entirely independent from his Earth-1 counterpart. Thanks, Crisis. Anyways, on with the synopsis from this show, uh, the story. Our story starts with Starman returning home from dropping off his latest manuscript. As he flies over a nondescript diner, he sees a man come flying through the side of the building. As he lands to investigate, he finds the new blockbuster beating on the diner's cook. After a little tussle with the giant, Starman is knocked back into the diner, which collapses around him. Pulling himself free, the destructive giant is gone, leaving Starman to free another patron in the collapsed diner. Starman leaves his patron to watch over the injured cook as he takes off in search of blockbuster. As soon as Starman leaves, the stranger chokes the cook, killing him. We then cut to Stately Wayne Manor, where we find Bruce Wayne reading the paper, talking about Roland Desmond, the stranger we saw from earlier, escaping from a crashed at a crashed from a crashed ambulance. He calls Commissioner Gordon, and after discovering that he also just learned about the man's escape, he informs Alfred that Roland is the brother of the original Blockbuster. Uh, this is me interjecting real quick. The original Blockbuster, and I, may, I believe they may cover that later. I'm not sure, but anyways. The original Blockbuster died during the Legends miniseries. He was a part of the Suicide Squad. For more on that, check out some of my earlier episodes of Task Force X, where I covered the whole Legends miniseries and how it tied into uh, my beloved Suicide Squad. I talked about the Legends miniseries in episodes 2 and 3 that came out in 2014 of my Task Force X podcast. Uh, Be sure to check that out. But anyways, enough about that. Back to this. Uh, where was I? I got sidetracked here on my own other podcasts. <laughs> uh, back in New Mexico, Starman returns to the scene of the fight and finds that the cook is dead and Roland is missing in the cook's truck. Starman fl- flies off to find the man. Back in Gotham, Bruce is relating Mark Desmond, a.k.a. Blockbuster, and Roland's origin. Mark created a serum which gave him great strength, but destroyed his mind allowing his brother to use him. Meanwhile, Starman has continued to look for the missing murderer, who has ditched the truck and is stowing away on a car carrier. At this moment, Bruce and Alfred are reviewing tapes of Blockbuster's death from Legends 3. There you go, which I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Again, Legends 3, 
I covered that on the second episode of my Task Force X podcast. Uh, but again, back to here. Uh, Roland, Blockbuster's brother, was locked up while this was happening. After the gene bomb exploded, which we talked a couple episodes about, Roland became sick, leaving Bruce worried that Roland has become a dangerous man. Back in New Mexico, Will Payton returns his irate sister's Jeep to her as he discusses his recent adventures. Back in the Batcave, Batman is suiting up, monologuing with Alfred, explaining our story to him at this point. Elsewhere in New Mexico, Roland is robbing a drugstore, killing the druggist. While Will is having lunch with an old friend, his sister calls him and alerts him to a battle between Blockbuster and the local cops. After a little fight-fight, Blockbuster leaves Starman for dead. Fifty miles away, Batman arrives in a Batmobile, heading towards Blockbuster. To be continued. And now on to my thoughts on this issue. As usual, we're going to start with the cover. Um, I'm going to say right at the beginning, I, I really like this cover. I think it's a nice cover. What does the cover look like? Well, we have our Starman logo at the top. Right below that, it says guest starring Batman. In the then Batman logo, it's got Batman written with the bat behind it. Uh, the cover itself is all blue, but breaking through the page of the all blue, we see Blockbuster just smashing the living daylights out of Will, out of Starman. Down at the bottom it says, reintroducing Blockbuster. I really like this cover. Uh, not the greatest in the world, but it's a really good cover. I like this. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a fan of whenever comic covers break the fourth wall in quotes and we see them punching through a cover or through a page or something like this. We got the side of the pages torn up or there's a giant hole where Blockbuster's coming through and he's punching Will and Will's just like, what the uh-huh? <laughs> It's a great cover. To, uh, Tom Wilde did a fantastic job on this cover. Fantastic. Uh, moving on to the story itself though. Again, we start out the first page. We get Starman flying over. We get some captioning saying he's flying over New Mexico. Uh, given basically what I talked about in the synopsis. The pill dropped off, that whale dropped off a manuscript. And he's flying home. And again, I, I know other people don't care for this costume. A lot of people hate it. I love this costume. It's a great costume. I said it before. And I'll say it again before we're done with it. But Starman's flying overhead and... Down below, we see a, a little diner called Good Food Diner. And out of the side of it, a man comes flying. Crock! Says the, the caption there. Just busts a big old hole through the side of the, the diner. It's a great page. Uh, not quite poster worthy, but it, it's a very good page for an opening splash page. We get Starman, we see his, his trail flying up over the mountains. As he goes flying along, he's looking down like, what the heck? <laughs> And he's landing, he's thinking, he exploded out of that diner. Did a boiler explode? We see a man just laying there, the door's off the hinges. It looks like he may have came out of the door, well, through the door. You couldn't see that in the first page, but here you, you can see the doors off the hinges, the glasses shattered, there's smoke coming from the door. And as he's picking him up, he looks inside the diner and he sees this giant man. <laughs> as Will says, oh, he's holding the gun. He's like, what happened? Easy, don't try to sit up. No use. Get out of here. Why you can? The big man. He'll, he'll he'll kill us all. Kill us all. Will's like big man. Good lord. And then he, he lights up in this uh, second page, the fourth, third panel down the right hand side. Just Will lighting up bright like he does, blinding everybody inside. You put that man down. You want him here. Again, I love the dialogue on here. In here, Roger Stern, in my opinion, was a master. Uh, one of the masters of the late 80s, early 90s. Fantastic work. And like this, as, as Blockbuster throws the man, Will kind of thanks, you know, that he has to go with the flow, try to cushion from the impact. He knows if he would have... And he says here, you know, if, if I can't let him hit me at this speed, he'd break his neck for sure. So all it's a superhero comic, and yes... I know it's not real because it involves people flying and having the powers of a star. Uh, they try to work some real-world aspects into here. Whereas a lot of times they would just catch the guy. Here, Will's like, well, if I catch him at the speed, 
it could break his neck. I have to, you know, slow him down and then set him down. I, I really like the, the t- attention to detail that Roger puts into his work. He's a great, he was a great Spider-Man writer before this. And in my opinion, it shows and it comes across here. And as he, Will flies up, he's like, uh, that thing is big, all right, but I fought bigger. Turn around, killer. You're not getting away with this. Oh, yeah. And then the next <laughs> page three, just we see the outside of the building and we see, oh, look, I need a toilet or something. I'm flying through the one side. Windows are shattering. Doors are flying off. We're, you know, just an explosion of fights inside that we don't actually see the fight. But from the violence on the outside of the building, the way the building's shaking and things are falling apart, you can tell how massive it is. And I, I guess this is, this is only issue, issue nine of the series. So Will hasn't been around that long. I mean, yes, in his brief time, he's fought an alien invasion. He's gone against some other baddies. But I like how he's like, you know what? He's getting all cocky already. Like, I fought bigger. Let's go. <laughs> a very young and, and uh, noobish, I guess, thing for a superhero, you know, to get all cocky. And he's like, I, I can take this guy. I think I can beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> and then the next page of the building just collapses. It's just it's fantastic. Wilco's pulling himself out of, it's like, a full minute passes. And then, I don't believe the whole building. He totaled the whole building. Well... In Blockbuster's defense, in quotes, uh, he didn't do it by himself, Will. He had a little help. <laughs> so you hear someone calling for help, so he pulls apart and finds this guy in the shredded shirt. He's like, where the devil would you come from? Baltimore? <laughs> Great. And again, yeah, Will just flew up, so he didn't know who was on the diner at the time, other than the guy that the Blockbuster was manhandling. And you don't want to blame this on Will being new. Uh, the whole heat of the battle thing, not realizing it. But if he would have paid attention, he would have seen that uh, Blockbuster was wearing a shredded red shirt. This guy that he pulls from the crash has a shredded red shirt. Looks like Blockbuster has a little mustache. This guy has a mustache. There are similarities between Blockbuster and uh, this uh, innocent man that's crashed into the building. Again, I'm doing air quotes like you can see it. But uh, he's questioning him, you see where you come from? And uh, Roland's like, hey, all I know is the big luck came into the place, chowed down a couple of platters of food, refused to pay. When the fry cook threatened to call the sheriff, he went berserk. I dived under the booth and hid. He's like, oh, he would killed me like the other two. I was like, no, this one's not dead. He, the cook's still alive. He suffered a bad shock. But, you know, he's not dead. Can you watch him while I go look for help? You're kidding. I thought, sure. Yeah, I've had me a few Red Cross classes. Go ahead. I know what to do. And as Will flies off, he comes over and searches the cook and finds his keys. And the cook kind of wakes up. He's like, you? No, not you. Because he recognizes Roland as the man that, you know, just beat the living crap out of him. And then here at the bottom of page five, I love this this page of Roland. We don't see exactly what he's doing. I'm assuming he choked him. I think he says it later in the story it's sad. But we see like a light behind him and we are And he just this demonic evil look on Roland's face as he's snuffing out this cook's life. It's a great panel. I love this here on bottom page five. And then I talk talk about the synopsis. We get a little scene with Batman and Wayne Manor reading the paper about Dolan Dolan? Roland escaping. Uh, not really going much in that. Just, you know, more Batman. I've already talked about all that. And then we get back to Will Payton landing at the scene, finding out that the cook was dead. He's like, no, there was, the cook was alive. There was another man here. And yeah, here's the cop tells him someone strangled him. The bruise around his throat. It was done by a man of fans, no bigger than mine. They're saying that the missing customer was probably the prime suspect. He's, well, but he was attacked too. His clothes were in tatters. Why would he? And again, so Will is very new to the game. So he, he doesn't realize that, you know, sometimes some people have powers which can can transform their bodies, even though his does too. But his changes is more of a, uh, a subtle, he can change the way he looks. He's doing it himself. He doesn't realize there are people like the Hulk and Blockbuster, and, you know, uh, Luke, Luke eventually later, not in this series, but the DC Universe, Loose Cannon, ordinary people who changes into hulking monsters. I guess he hasn't realized that yet. 
And as he flies off, the cop said, Should we really trust this star guy? Well, if his word what ha- his word what happened here, oh, I definitely could stop him. <laughs> and so again, it's a very, very uh, again the cop's thinking this. That's a very normal thing for the cop to be thinking about. That you know what? Should we trust him? Well, yeah, we, I, we can't. You know, we, we don't trust him. There's nothing we can do about it. So. And so he decides to fly off and find the man with the mustache. Again, here on page 8, we get some flashback of Batman thinking back about Mark Desmond, the original blockbuster, and how it turned him into a monster, how his brother used him. And uh, again, Alfred's like, you know, surely blockbuster dead. Surely Roland's no danger, because Roland would use his monster's brother to commit crimes. And Batman's like, Bruce is like, perhaps not, but I don't like it when people iPad away escape. So for Batman at this point, he doesn't realize that, that Roland is a new blockbuster. He just knows he's escaped, and it's a matter of pride for Batman. He doesn't want, you know, someone he's put away, he doesn't want him escaping. And then on the next page, page nine, we see Will, and he sees a truck similar to what he was looking for, but strong year and make, he says. So he flies down to ask the guy if he's seen someone else in a similar truck, and he flies up, excuse me, sir. So, excuse me, sir. Have you seen another pickup anywhere along this road? Same color as yours. No tailgate? You guys, what? No. Oh, well, sorry to bother you. And he flies off, and the guy just slams on his brake. What the devil was that? <laughs> I can imagine driving down New Mexico Road, and all of a sudden some guy, even in a world of superheroes, most of your superhero action takes takes place on the East Coast. So to be in New Mexico and have someone come flying around in a gaudy, colorful uniform, you know, uh, that could surprise somebody. And then we see Roland in the back of a, or front seat of a car on the back of a car carrier. And he talks about how he has a special medicine. He said he doesn't want to run out of his medicine, especially if he has to face anyone else like Starman again. And then here on page 10, we get Bruce watching footage of the Suicide Squad fighting. Uh, Brimstone from the pages of Legends, and this is from Legends 3, which I covered again as I talked about earlier. And we see Brimstone reaching down, grabbing a Blockbuster, and just burning him up. You know, he's talking, Welcome, sinners, Brimstone has been expecting you. And ye, brutish sinner, ye have been seniorly honored, for ye have been the first to be cleansed. And Bruce says, This is how Blockbuster died, Alfred. Sent to a senseless, brutal death by a government agency, while the justly was hamstrung by federal edicts. And again, this was during the final days of the, the original Justice League. Uh, the league had been disbanded by Aquaman and reformed with the uh, the new guys, Vibe and Still, Gypsy, Vixen. And uh, often called the Detroit League, which a lot of people diss and don't like. I personally enjoyed the Detroit League, but that's another story for another podcast. My only question here is, again, it's been a couple of years since I've read the Legends series. I don't know why there was video cameras there recording it. Uh, that'd be my only question about Bruce having this. I, I'm sure Bruce doesn't have every place in the world. But may, maybe news, news cameras had shown up because, again, this was a giant flaming uh, brimstone monster that was, you know, destroying the country. I think this was by the, I think this was in the Dakotas, North or South Dakota. I'm not mistaken, it was by the the, uh, uh, the mommy of the four presidents there, uh, Mount Rushmore. For nothing but for a minute there, I think it was near Mount Rushmore. If I'm not mistaken. So again, I don't know if camera where he got this footage from, because again, the Suicide Squad was trying to be on, keep on the down low. But well, like here in the first panel of this page, you see Captain Boomerang throwing a boomerang at Brimstone. Like that's gonna do anything. <laughs> I love that series. Of course, it spun out. Uh, it gave us Suicide Squad, which I love, and I'm doing a podcast on. Also gave us Just League, uh, which eventually became Just League International, which my podcasting buddy, uh, the Irredeemable Shag, is doing a podcast on. Had some great books came out of there. But enough about that. Let's get on to this story. So Will flies over where he left his sister's Jeep and the dog, Mugs. And as he lands, he's like, oh, he didn't shell over my street clothes. And the dog, Mug, starts barking and growling at 
Starman and Starman lands. Mugs, it's me, you dumb dog. See, it's Will. And he changes back. I know dogs have an incredible sense of smell and their other senses are really heightened. I wonder how much of Will, maybe because he has a heartbeat, and maybe, I, I don't know. Dogs in here heartbeat, that's stupid. Um, but I just wonder how much of Will is not Will when he's Starman that his dog doesn't recognize him besides his face. I wonder if it's more than that or, hmm. And again, I'm probably thinking too much about this, but I hear at the bottom of the page, you know, cut it out. We don't have time to kiss and make up because the dog's leaping up on Will once Will changes his face back. And I think maybe it's just Will's face the dog's going by. But uh, And then we pull up, he gets a sister, as I talked about. Uh, again, I talked about this already. Again, some more nice panels. Nothing really to say about this. Some nice panels. Again, great artwork. I love the artwork in this book. And then we get back on page 13. We get Batman dressing himself in the Batcave pit. I love these scenes when Batman's sitting in the Batcave in just his, his Bat costume, the Bat shirt and pants. He's slipping his gloves on and putting his mask on. And uh, Batman's learned that this morning in New Mexico there was a diner destroyed by an eight-foot-tall creature. Two men were killed. After the creature disappeared, a man fitting Roland's description turned up. Yeah, Roland. And so he, Batman says, my worst fears are confirmed. Alfred, Desmond's at large somewhere in the southwest. It won't be easy, but I must find and stop him. Or whatever it is he's become. Dun, dun, dun. And so we get Will walking the next day in Phoenix, reading the paper, uh, reading about the man that's missing, looking for questioning. Chuck was found abandoned. Nothing about where they found any fingerprints. <laughs> He's like, oh, great. They're describing this thing I fought as Bigfoot. <laughs> well, I talked about Will meets up with a friend of his. They talk a little bit. Then here on page 15, we see Roland at some sort of pharmacy. He's taking drugs. And again, apparently the drugs he uses to become Blockbuster... Not well, not over the counter. Well, I guess it is over counter drugs and stuff. He's he's in the back just chugging some pills that's causing him to become blockbuster. I don't know. I don't. And again, he says make, it makes him really hungry. He wants meat. And we see a this diner has a uh, a little grill in the back, a bunch of burgers, burgers ready to be cooked. And uh, some cops come in about this time. Hear me back there? I'm about throwing a couple of burgers on the grill. Just enough here for me, and I don't feel like sharing. Where's Aaron? What happened? Aaron asked too many questions, just like you. And then I say, as I talk about the synopsis, we get his sister listening to the radio, calling Will, letting him know what's going on. So she drops the phone and flies off. Navajo, Navajo, that's up by 140 east of the Painted Desert, I think. And again, I like this, that we see Will's thoughts. A lot of modern comics don't believe in that, but I like Will's thoughts, and he's just thinking ordinary, okay, where, I have 140, 140, where's that at? That's over there, okay, that's over that way. Or so Navo is what he's thinking. He's Navo, Navo, that's by the 140. So he's trying to think where he's going, he's trying to think of a bird's eye view, how to get there. It's just a very, again, it's very, again, in quotes, realistic, and I, I love the way it's done. Again, here at the bottom of page 17, and top of 18, we get Will flying up and fighting with uh, Blockbuster again. A little fight fight. Will gives him a good punch, knocks him. Again, he burns him. And for the next couple of pages, we get some fights. And the story ends here on page 20. Will flying into a, a family restaurant or something, so I can't read the name of it. He goes flying. It looks like a buffet-type place. At the end, he crashes there. Roland comes up and... Not so tough now, huh? Ha, 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 ha. Drops and just walks to the window and walks away, leaving uh, Starman there unconscious. And like I talked about synopsis, we get a helicopter 50 miles away dropping off the Batmobile. And Alfred's giving an update saying, or actually Batman's listening to the uh, police band, saying the Blockbuster's heading north on foot. He's like human locomotive. So not only is he big, he's also fast. He's doing 80 miles an hour. They need an ambulance. Starman's down. Blockbuster dropped him. Oh my god, if he couldn't stop that monster, who can? And then we got our next issue blurb. Next issue, Dark Knight in Monument Valley. Dun, dun, dun. I keep saying that. <laughs> Anyways, 
Another great issue of Starman. I, I love the artwork in here. I love Roger Stern's storytelling. His dialogue. It's fantastic. Um, again, this continues next issue in Starman number 10, which we'll cover next month. But in the meantime, if you want to wait that long to hear about Starman number 10, I can and I do highly recommend that you check out my buddy uh, Pat Sampson's podcast. He's got a podcast called The Long Box Crusade. And over on episode 14, which was released February the 22nd, uh, Pat and his buddies, they review Daredevil, Transformers, Checkmate 15, and also Starman number 10. And he had me on mainly because of the Checkmate issue, because again, I do a Checkmate podcast over my Task Force X, but I also do Starman, so he asked me, you know, I talked about Starman also. It's my buddy Pat Sampson and his buddies Jared Albrick, Jason Albrick, and Delvin Williams. And again, guest star, me. And I see we look at Checkmate 15, and we also briefly look at, not as much, but just take a quick look at Starman number 10, which again, I'll cover by myself uh, next month. But that's enough for uh, this issue. Let's go ahead and move on. We're going to take a quick break. Here's from, 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 try that again. Hear from some friends of the show, and we'll be right back with our next issue, Manhunter number 12. Hold on tight. We'll be right back. Coming soon from Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, a Batman Universe Podcast Network production. It's the radio drama you've demanded. Well, it's the one Rob produced and made into a four-part weekly radio drama. From the pages of Detective Comics comes A Lonely Place of Living. Where in the world is Tim Drake? Red Robin faces a crucial decision, escape the most devious prison ever devised, or find himself abandoned beyond time and space for all eternity. Not really a choice, right? But when he finds out just who is locked in there with him, Tim's world will change in ways he never imagined. In the biggest undertaking Robin Everyone Loves the Drake has ever attempted, ELTD Theater is in full swing, with over 20 voice actors from a variety of popular podcasts lending their talents to make the comics come alive. Featuring Justin Kowalski as Batman. And all the time he's been out there, lost and trapped, knowing that at the end of the day his mentor was one of the world's greatest detectives on the planet. He knew I was coming. I wasn't! And I can't stop until I bring him home. Andrew Leland as Alfred. Master Bruce, you need to sleep even just a few hours. I'm getting ready to pull out one of Dr. Crane's more narcotic gases from the laboratory if you continue like this. Andy Giginova as Nightwing. Robin? You want me to go back to being Robin? I can't. Just as I can't go back to being 13 again. But you're right. Batman needs me. Maybe instead of arguing with him, I should try and help him. Olivia Mullins as Batwoman. Unconscious the next roof over. We could turn him over to Argus. I know they'll want someone to answer for his crimes. Stella Bowman as Spoiler. Hey, Dad. How's your night going? Still dead? Yeah, thought so. The irredeemable Shag as Brother Eye. Brother Eye is now online. Michael Bailey as Mr. Oz. Your mentor. He recently learned that you were alive. That you were trapped. But search as he might, he cannot find you. He hasn't slept in five nights, save for moments that he nods off in the chair. It consumes him. Rob Myers as Red Robin. I thought, I thought I would impress him. The way that I pieced it all together, and God, I wanted to impress him. I'd only met him once, just as a boy. I was terrified of the circus, but he calmed me down. And he told me that he would be performing just for me. And many, many more. The first episode hits the first Wednesday in May. So prepare your ears for the story that changes everything for Tim Drake. Hold on tight, Tim. As tight as you can to every moment. Because this will all be over sooner than you can imagine. Ah, after a long day of criminal activity, there's nothing I like better than to sit down and listen to the old radio. Wait a minute, that's not a radio, it's... Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Plastic Man! He's the 
that's right, it's the Plastic Cast, a brand new podcast dedicated to Plastic Man. I'm your host, Max Romero. Together, we'll be talking about Plastic Man in the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and every other age you can think of, right up to his upcoming reappearance in DC Rebirth. We'll also be talking about any Plastic Man news that might be coming up, and his appearances in every media from comics to cartoons. Makes me woozy just to think about it. I hope you'll join me to talk about the longest arm of the law here on the Plasticast, here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Welcome back, and now for our next comic, Manhunter number 12. The cover date was April of 1989. But the on-sale date was February the 14th, 1989. So this actually came out two weeks before the Starman issue we just talked about. In fact, I may change that up and put these by release date instead of which I felt like talking about. But that's a problem for next episode. Uh, the cover price of this was $1. The editor of this issue was Barbara Kiesel. Kessel, however you want to pronounce it. I've heard it both ways. The title of the story was Weeper, Losers Weepers, The Conclusion. It was a 12-page story written by John Ossinger and Kim Yell, penciled by Doug Rice, inked by Pablo Marcos, lettered by Tobias Albert... Ah, try that again. The letter was Albert Tobias de Guzman, and the colorist again was Juliana Freder. She was a busy woman. The cover credits was Doug Rice. Again, the synopsis. Uh, this is the conclusion of the Manhunter and the Down Under storyline. And also, just real quick, want to throw out that this is kind of a special issue. Uh, looking back in retrospect, uh, this is issue 12. This is halfway through the Manhunter's run. The Manhunter series only lasts 24 issues. This is the midway point. Uh, so we're halfway through my coverage of the Manhunter. Quick question to you guys. Since I'm at this point, we still got another year left of this coverage before we get to the end of it. After this, would you guys like me here to talk about some of the other Manhunter series? Uh, there was a, a Kate something other, a female Manhunter that came after this. Uh, I only bought a few issues. I couldn't get into that one. I, I really like the Mark Shaw Manhunter. Would you like me to read that and cover that on here also? Or do you care about anything else? Uh, otherwise, I'll just cover the Starman for the rest of the run of this series, of this podcast. And then uh, on that note, I've got a bit longer for that. I think Starman ran quite a bit longer than that. So I've got a while to go, a couple more years on that. So if think about it, I don't know, once I get enough of that, am I going to stop this podcast or am I going to talk about um, the James Robinson Starman series? Which, again, I didn't read. I read the first couple issues I couldn't get into. I may take another look at it. may try to crack that one after I get done with Will Payton. But seeing how this is about the Will Payton Starman and the Mark Shaw Manhunter, I may just let it go when I'm done with all these. I think there is a couple appearances of Manhunter after this, before he goes away. Uh, I'll take a look at it again and see when I get further down the road. But, but yeah, this is halfway through the Manhunter's original run. So, uh, moving on to the story, we start a little recap of what's been going on. A roll call for major players. Uh, Manhunter and everyone else decides to team up to stop the alien robot. After a little fighting, the robot has used up Heap and discards him and attempts to capture Kazuko. I'm probably mispronouncing that name. But Manhunter leaps in and takes his place within the robot. Once inside, he uses a baton to break up the robot and destroy its power core. Robot goes boom. Southern Cross Salvage picks up the pieces. And one of the Southern Cross guys contemplates that the aliens left this one behind are the others that haven't been found yet. The end. Uh, now on to the synopsis, or the actual, uh, my thoughts on this issue. Again, the cover of this one starts out with the giant robot fighting Manhunter. Uh, again, it's a very, to me, uh, manga-type inspired, Japanese-type inspired robot look. Not a huge fan of that look. This cover's not one of my favorites. I, I do like uh, Manhunter on it, but other than that, yeah, not a huge fan. Uh, jumping into the comic itself, we get a little recap of what's happened previously. Uh, we find out you know, the alien warbot was found in Australia and activated by Jeremiah Heap, who's double crossed his partners, or his employers. And we get a little roll call. We get the Southern Cross Salvage Group, the Yakuza showed up, LexCorp, Checkmate, uh, the Russians led by Zastro and Rocket Red. 
but the robot absorbed heap and now has his own ideas. Again, this is a John Ostinger book, so of course, once it involves the international community, we have to have Zastro. I think that Zastro was one of his buddies. He really liked Zastro. Zastro was big over in the Firestorm book while uh, Ostinger was writing it. I'm not sure he showed up in any other book. I think he wrote, Ostinger wrote Man, uh, Spectre. I don't think I don't think Zastro showed up there, but he might have. I'm going to have to relook at those and look at it again and see. Not that it's a bad thing. I enjoy Zastro. He's, he's a great Russian bad guy. Uh, but again, as I talked about in the snops, we had a little fight. I'm going to cover this briefly because, yeah, just uh, fighting. Sometimes it can be good. This one here, eh, it was all right. Uh, so we get a little fighting going on here. We get uh, Mark working with the Russian. The, uh, the Russian, the uh, Rocket Red picks him up. I think the suit's miscolored normally. The Rocket Red suits are white. This one's red. And yeah, it's red throughout from what I'm seeing here. So I, I'm assuming it was some sort of coloring mistake on the, the Rocket Red suit. Again, they all team up as I talked about. Fight the giant robots. Uh, dispels heaps of the corpse here on page seven. The robot suit opens and heaps just a corpse and his clothes comes popping out. And they grab, they say the Jacuzzi guy, Kazoo? And Mark leaps in, trades and knocks him out of the, the beam and takes his place. And uh, <laughs> he's like, now, Widget, now I've got you right where I want you. And he puts his baton together and just starts beating the heck out of the inside of it. And again, like I say, it's not bad art. It's good artwork. I enjoy the artwork. I'm just I'm not crazy about the robot design. And again, as I've talked about before, uh, this, this storyline took three or four issues to come out because it was half-page stories. Half page. Half issue, like 12 issue, 12 page stories. It could have been done a lot sooner, but they had these backup stories. I, I don't know why they decided to split it up so much. I don't know if it was John and Kim's idea or if that was something from higher ups that wanted these backup stories. I, I'd be curious to know why the story is broken up, so I think it might have been better to play all, all at one time instead of being broken up in smaller chunks. But, but anyways, the, the uh, Mark, again, takes out the robot suit. It explodes. Uh, Zastro, you know, he's like, so the American survives, the Discoverer is dead, and no one gets the war machine. All in all, acceptable. He just turns and walks away. He's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> and Mark apologized. Sorry, you know, like nothing, got nothing out of this. And he's like, eh. Or salvage. We can still get something out of it. And again, here at the very end, he's like, the only one thing that bothers me is Z-Argon was interested in Australia. Are the other Z-Argon still asleep that haven't been found yet? And Mark's like, gee, thanks. I'll sleep a lot sounder tonight. And here at the bottom says the Catman and the return of Sylvia Candry, who we've talked about in some of the backup stories we've talked about previously. Again, another... Uh, it was a good issue overall. I didn't have much to say about it. Again, the artwork was good. I'm not a fan of the huge robot stories. I, I do like Zastro showing up. I like the Checkmate Knight showing up in here. I didn't talk much about the Checkmate Knight because he didn't really do much this story. Um, we see him here on page five, leaping on the robot fighting. But the Checkmate Knight didn't really have much to do with this story. Again, this is a Manhunter story, so Manhunter left in, destroyed the robots. And the Checkmate Knight slipped out unseen because I don't see him again in the story. Uh, overall, it was a good story. I, I enjoyed it, I guess. But again, it was a little drawn out, I think. Uh, the art, for being a giant robot story, which I'm only eh, sort of okay on. I do kind of like it was a follow-up to Invasion, which I've talked about previously. So once the invasion is done, they have left stuff behind. It's not all finished. But, I don't know, it was a, it was a good story, good artwork. Uh, I would give it a, a good solid B if I was to grade it. And then we move on to a, the second story in the book, which is a 10-page story written by Kim Yell by herself. Art was Sam Keith. Letter was still Albert Tobias de Guzman. Colorist Juliana Freder. Uh, and again, the comments on here, this all comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Manhunter does not actually appear in person in the story. He only appears in the fairy tale told by Lieutenant Best. 
Lieutenant Best Fairy Tell. The first name is given. His first name is given as Lucius. His daughter is Mendissa. Whether these are actual first names of Lieutenant Best and his daughter is unclear. Uh, Best calls his daughter Dissa in the story, which could be short for Mendissa. So, they get the synopsis from Mike's Amazing World Comics. Lieutenant Best prepares to tell his daughter a bedtime story. However, she's already heard the story. He selects and demands a new tale about Manhunter. Lieutenant Best concocts a tale in which his daughter is a victim of a curse put on her by Ravenheart. Manhunter saves the girl from the curse, breaks the spell. As the story concludes, Dissa Best falls asleep. Well, the story itself, I kind of briefly read through it. It's artwork by, artwork by Sam Keith, most famous for doing uh, the Max, amongst some other books. But uh, I'm going to put this out on Front Street. I'm going to say it right now. Not a huge Sam Keith fan. He was good for the abstract, the Max, but I don't care for his his art style. I, I couldn't really get through this story, mainly because the art was just so far out there. So I don't have much to say. I mean, it was an okay storyline. Doesn't really fit in anywhere. It's just kind of a throwaway story. Kind of spotlighting Lieutenant Best a little bit. Him, you know, being a family man, reading to his daughter. I, I like that. But... I don't know. i just not a huge fan of this. I guess I've said all I'm going to say about that. Because, again, I didn't really... Couldn't really get into the story because I really don't care for Sam Keith's art style. So I just, again, I know some people like him. It's just my own, I, I don't care much for that abstract art that he does. And I'm calling it abstract, but it is what it is. Uh, this was a short segment. I'm not going to do another commercial break because that's just a waste of time. Let's go ahead and move on with Copper Comics Rack. These are comics that were on sale the same month that these books came out. So this would be the comics that were on sale in February of 1989. Again, this wasn't everything. These are the ones that I look through. Again, Mike's Amazing World of Comics. I looked through his list and I picked out the ones that either meant something to me or that I thought deserved a mention. We have Adventures of Superman, 453, part of the Exile storyline. Again, I love this story. This was right after I started comics. Uh, for more on Superman, on the Exile storyline, and just this era of Superman in general, Check out Michael Bailey's and Jeffrey Taylor's From Christ uh, from Crisis to Crisis Superman podcast. It's one of my the godfathers of my show, one of the shows I, I started listening to that I loved. Next, we have Amazing Spider-Man 316. This was a Venom comic, a Venom story. Again, this was just a couple months I picked up. I think 314, I want to say, was my first issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Or 310, I forget which one it is now. But it was just a few months before this. There was a graphic or trade paperback called Amazing Spider-Man Fearful Symmetry. This collected Craven's Last Hunt. Animal Man 10, a great story. Animal Man was a fantastic comic, especially in the first couple of years, written by Grant Morrison. Uh, fantastic. Batman 432. For more on Batman, see my buddy Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin's Nightcast. Great podcast. The Death in the Family trade paperback. Death in the Family occurred in Batman, what was it, 424, 425? I think it was 424, 25, 26, 27, no, 24, 25, must have been 425, 26, 27, 28, I believe. Anyways, it was just a few months before this, and they've already got a trade paperback out, so even back in the late 80s, they were, they were ready to pump out the trade paperbacks on the stories that needed it. Uh, Captain America 354, this had the captain in it. Captain Adam 27, for more on Captain Adam, see the Silver and Gold podcast, another great podcast. Uh, Catwoman number three, this was a four-issue miniseries that retold Catwoman's origin, Petter's a prostitute, this took place after year, after year one or the year one storyline. Uh, Checkmate number 14, again, see my Task Force X podcast, I'm a couple months behind on there. I'm at, I think I just released, uh, I think it was 11 and 12 with the last issues of Checkmate I covered. So I'll be getting to 14 here in the next month or two. Cops number 10. This wasn't bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Wasn't that cops, it was the cops uh, fighting crime in a future time. Cops, central organization of police specialists. 
Fighting crime in a future time. Protecting Empire City from Big Boss and his gang of crooks. Futuristic science fiction type story. I thought it was a great cartoon, and I enjoyed the comic too. So but that was Cops. Uh, moving on from Cops, we had, let me see, where were we at? I lost my page. There we are. Doom, uh, Damage Control 2. Damage Control was basically, it was a four-shoot miniseries, if I'm not mistaken. And they were basically cleaning up after all the Marvel villain or heroes got done fighting. Daredevil 267. Uh, C. J. David Weeder's uh, Daredevil podcast. I was reading Daredevil at this time. Again, I was reading most comics. Uh, J. David Weeder's got a great podcast. Check out uh, the Daredevil podcast. As he says, take the dare. Uh, Doom, uh, Death's Head number four. I think this was from Marvel UK or something. I remember reading it, but I don't remember much about it. Detective 598. This was leading up to the uh, Detective Comics 600. It was like a three-issue storyline leading up to that big issue. Again, see the Batman Nightcast over the Fire and Water Network. Doom Patrol 21. It was part three of four of the Crawling from the Wreckage. This is when Grant Morrison took over the Doom Patrol after our buddy uh, Paul Kupperberg wrote it. Uh, Ek- and again, I just started reading this Doom Patrol right before this. I, I loved what Paul Kupperberg had done. And I enjoyed Grant Morrison. And then it started getting really weird and funky. And I, I kind of lost me. Excalibur number nine. That was an Excalibur, an X-Men book. I started reading. I, I didn't buy this one, I don't believe. I've talked about it before. My buddy Billy, he was buying the Excalibur books. So I read his. Uh, Fantastic Four, 327. Firestorm number 84. Again, this was when John Oster had taken over and he was in the process of changing Firestorm over to the Fire Elemental. For more on Firestorm, see the Aquaman and Firestorm podcast, another one of the great podcasts that got me started. Flash 25, uh, part of the Porcupine Man storyline. This era of the Flash is heavily maligned, I believe, and I enjoyed it. So, what can I say? A G.I. Joe number 87. Uh, there's a podcast out there called G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, done by yours truly and some other guest hosts. I am way, way back from here. I'm only on issue 19, I think I'm working on right now. But I'll get here eventually. Great podcast, in my opinion. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Also, there's G.I. Joe European Missions. I'm not sure if I'm going to cover these on my podcast or not. Uh, these don't really tie into the real American hero line. This was the the European stories, it was uh, over in Europe, they had a G.I. Joe book called Action Force. And if I'm not mistaken, I've got a couple, I used to have a couple of those too, but I, I believe Action Force was taken and they changed it and they, they retold it as the European missions, reprinted as European missions for us. G.I. Joe Special Missions 22, again, I will be covering that eventually on my show. That Special Missions series started around issue 50 of G.I. Joe, so I've got a couple years before I get to that. Green Arrow number 17. Uh, Hero Hotline was out. I didn't notate an issue number. I don't know if it was an issue or maybe a trade paperback collecting that story. I never read that, but uh, I, got a, I need to find that and read that one. One of the comic shops I went to at the time kept recommending it to me. I never did buy it. Never bit the bull and bought that one. Uh, Hunters number one. I believe this is the book that reboots the Hunters post-crisis. Pre-crisis, she was Batman and Catwoman's daughter. After that was done away with, Earth 2 was gone. She was the daughter of a gangster. A good story. Not bad. I enjoyed it. Incredible Hulk 356 by Peter David. I love Peter David's run on this. Great story. Iron Man 243. Uh, Justice League Europe, number one. Also, there was Justice League International 25. Uh, Justice League 24, which I talked briefly about during my Invasion crossover. I have briefly mentioned it. Out of that spun the Just League Europe. Uh, for both of those books, check out my buddy Irredeemable Shag's JLI, the Bwahaha podcast. Uh, again, he's back on issue 18, 17, somewhere around there. With earlier issues, he'll get there eventually. 
uh, probably another year or so down the, the road down the fact. Uh, Legion 89, number three. Uh, this spun out of Invasion. This was uh, a group held by Viral Docs. And it was a, an interplanetary space comps, basically. I enjoyed this series. I thought it was a good series for the most part. Legion of Superheroes 59. Again, Legion of Superheroes. That takes place in the future. Good story. Uh, this was part of the... Uh, I think this was still part of the, the Five Years Later Legion, where it was more of a darker, grittier stories for the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, they didn't go by code names as much. It didn't wear many costumes. It was more of a, in quotes, realistic comic, if you will. Uh, Manhunter number 12. I've heard of that one recently somewhere. I can't remember where it's at now. Uh, Mark Spector, Moon Knight number one. I read this, enjoyed the series. Marvel Comics Presents 21 and 22 came out this month, which featured Cyclops. Cloak and Dagger number five. I love that Cloak and Dagger series. That was really good. Speaking of Cloak and Dagger, they have an upcoming show coming up. I think it's in June on ABC's Freeform. Uh, check that out. Sounds interesting. New Gods number two. I read this. Again, besides Mr. Miracle, not a huge New Gods fan, but I enjoyed this series for the most part. It was not, wasn't bad. New Mutant 76, another X-Book. Again, this one I didn't buy. My buddy Billy bought it, and I read his copies. Power of the Atom number 11. I love me some Power of the Atom. This was uh, Ray Palmer after he got back from the, the jungles of South America. Once I get done with my uh, Over on the Head Speaks podcast, once I get done with the Army in 2001 storyline, probably next year sometime, I'm going to get back and I'm going to probably start covering the Power of the Atom series. Punisher number 20, and also the Punisher War Journal number 6. I was reading and enjoying the Punisher at this time, before I got burned out on him. Uh, Secret Origins 39. See the Secret Origins podcast by my buddy Ryan Daly. Uh, that was 50 issues plus some specials, annuals. It was a great comic series. And Ryan did a fantastic job covering it. Had a different co-host each episode. Kind of what I'm doing for my uh, Head Speaks Armageddon 2001 coverage. I, I kind of stole that idea from Ryan and then following that shag. But don't tell them. Sensational She-Hulk number two. This was a, uh, I think this was John Byrne writing it. And this is more of a comical version of She-Hulk. I enjoyed this one. Solo Avengers number 9 featuring Hawkeye. Uh, Solo Avengers was, again, a Solo Avengers book. If I'm not mistaken, most of the stories featured Hawkeye teaming up somebody else. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 151. This was Tombstone and Robbie Robinson in prison. I enjoyed this series. I was enjoying this series at the time. It was great. Speedball number 10. I loved that character. Speedball was uh, Marvel's young, bouncing around hero. Got caught in an experiment of some sort and could bounce around, store kinetic energy until they screwed him up by making him penance. But that's another story for another time. Speedball, it was a great book. Starman number nine. Again, that one sounds a little familiar for some reason. Suicide Squad 25. Again, check out my Task Force X podcast. Again, Task Force X. I just covered uh, which issue was it? I think I'm currently working on episodes 22 and or issues 22 and 23 of Suicide Squad. So I'll be getting here in a couple months. Superman 30, again, part of the Exile in Space story with a Lex Luthor backup called Hostile Takeover. It was like a three or four issue run in the Superman book. Again, check out uh, Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor's From Crisis Crisis Superman podcast. Great show, great comic, great era. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures number two. This was based on the cartoon, which is totally different than the, the original comic at the time. But it was still good. Uh, Transformers number 52. Uh, this was Transformers ended like in the like issue 80, so it's getting near the run of Transformers. I'd start picking this up a few months, a few months before this. I enjoyed Transformers. I loved it. Uncanny X-Men 245. X-Men, what more can I say? Unknown Soldier, number five. This was a 12-issue miniseries, I want to, or maxi-series, I want to say. Uh, Relooking at DC's Unknown Soldier. Great series. Wanderers 12. This was, I believe, the final issue of this, this, ish, this series. Again, Wanderers. I see member hunting down and enjoying this book. From hearing from my podcasting buddies, it was a horrible book. I, I'm going to have to re-look at this and see. I don't know. I, I see member enjoying it. We have the web of Spider-Man 51. It's Spider-Man, 
what more can I say? I enjoyed Spider-Man. This was a good series. West Coast Avengers 51. This was part of Vision's story. When they, if I'm not mistaken, John Byrne was writing this. Uh, this was the Avengers based in, uh, I think it was L.A. And this was a storyline where the Vision got dismantled, rebuilt. It was all white. Didn't have the emotions he used to. Uh, then we had Wolverine number eight, guest starring Joe Fixit, which was a, a version of the Hulk, the Great Hulk when he worked in Las Vegas. Wonder Woman 29, and finally X Factor 41. Again, the X Factor at this point was the original. Yeah, this was the original X Men forming a team, hunting down in quotes mutants, trying to actually try to help them, but the world thought that they were hunting them down to capture them. Uh, those are all the books I. There was more books than this. Go out and check out. Mike's Amazing World of Comics to see all of them, but these are the ones I wanted to mention, the ones that either mean something to me or the ones I liked. Uh, great times. Uh, finally, we're going to move on to the mailbag. We're not going to take any more breaks. I've taken the break earlier. We're almost done. We're going to finish this off. The mailbag. Yes, Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour does have a mailbag. Did hear your emails read right into us at S. M-A-H, which stands for Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, at headspeaks.com. You leave a message on our Facebook page. Just look for Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Uh, over on Twitter, on Heads, uh, the Headcast Network, you can leave a message if you want. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. I'll read that on the air. But back to this, this episode of The Mailbag. Um, this one came in on December the 5th, 2017, uh, from a Mr. James Hudson. James says, just finished the Invasion 3 hour podcast. Great stuff. I remember loving the Manhunter Flash crossover when they first came out. I need a copy of the Invasion Trade paperback now. Keep up the good work. Well, James, thank you very much for writing in. I appreciate it. I don't nearly get enough reviews, enough thoughts from people. Uh, sometimes I wonder why I do this, but then I read a, a email from, like I got from James here. Not only does it feed my own ego and my own want to talk about comics, even though I have problems trying to find time for it, this feeds my ego, if you will, and makes it... It gives me a release, a way to vent and talk about comics I loved back in the day that I think we're missing at this time period in my life. But, again, that's another story for another podcast, for another rant. But this is the other reason I do it, is because I love hearing from people that love these books... I love hearing people's stories, people's uh, origin stories, if you will. People just telling me what they think about the books and what I'm doing. So definitely let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you also. But we've reached around the hour mark. I've still got to put the commercial breaks in earlier, but just shy of the hour mark. So we should be over that. Uh, not that this has to be an hour, but seeing how the name is, the Starman Manor Adventure Hour, we're getting into here. Again, check us out next month when we return. Uh, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, Joe Pesci willing. Next month, we should be looking at Starman number 10 and Manhunter number 13. These are the books that came out in March of 1989. But in the meantime, check out my other podcasts, please. I would love to hear from you on those. Uh, check out G.I. Joe episode 19, where I plan on talking about issue 19 and episode 7 of the cartoon. Over on Head Speaks, I'll be talking about Batman annual number 15. And I should have a special guest on that one. I plan on uh, an online buddy, John Jack, should show up and talk to me about that one. And then over on Task Force X, episode 34, Elections and Invasions, I'll be talking about Suicide Squad 22 and 23. 22, if I'm not mistaken, one of my first comics... No, I'm thinking of 24. I forget now. I'll have to look at it again. That's what I just read. Uh, 22 and 23. 23 is the invasion tie-in. Though it's not really an invasion tie-in. Yeah, I think, yeah, 22, I think, yeah, was my first, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, we'll find out over there. I'll cover that again. Again, I'm reading a couple issues ahead on some of these. Trying to get notes made up, trying to get things done. But yeah, check out uh, Task Force X-34, entitled Elections and Invasions. And then again, be back here next month around this time for the Starman Manhunter Man Adventure Hour 14, 
where I plan on covering Starman number 10, which was the second part of the blockbuster, which yeah, I talked about a couple months ago with uh, my buddy Pat over on his Longbox Crusade, which I talked about earlier, and also reading Starman, thir- or Starman, Manhunter number 13. But until next time, that's going to do it. Remember, Star Hunters, keep looking towards the stars. Thank you for listening to another great episode of the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Please join us next month for another great, fantastic episode as we cover another issue of the Will Payton Starman series and the Mark Shaw Manhunter series. Uh, Keep in mind that these podcasts are not affiliated or endorsed by DC Comics. I'm just a fanboy who loves these comics and wants to spread these love with everyone else out there and just talk about them. Um, again, you can email us at smah at headspeaks.com or you can go to our blog, which is at starman-manhunter.headspeaks.com. You can also go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash starman-manhunter-adventure-hour. No spaces, all one word. But once again, thank you very much for joining us. Until next episode... This is Aaron Moss saying, see you in the funny pages.